I'm recording. I'm recording too. Yay! Hello, horror hums. I'm hoping that this audio is kept because this is our second time recording this episode. <sighs> so here's me, your humbly defeated co-host Meg. <laughs> and the person that's audio did not fuck up last week, V. Yeah, I got the spinning wheel of death and that crushed me because I was just looking at it and I was like, I can save it. I can do this. I can figure it out. And then I tried for like an hour and I was like, God damn it. Why is Val, the person who's literally in school for tech, away from the house right now? I was very heartbroken. It's so funny because the last time this happened was for our final girls episode, which is one of our first episodes. And it was my audio that fucked up. You know, here we are. So, hey, yeah, hey, it's taken, you know, this long for your audio to fuck up it's, it's a good song it wasn't just my audio it was garage band as a whole and Val was like have you updated your computer and i was like i mean th- i keep getting alerts about it but no and Val's like okay so that's your first problem and also garage band needs to be updated and i was like yeah i can't be bothered like <laughs> we had to reset my tiktok password to get in on the ipad today and Val was like you were literally like a parent like a little old lady because she was like what's your password i was like i don't fucking know and then it sent me like a code to my phone i was like wow how do i do this she's like how are you 90 years old right now yeah how how has your brain just all of a sudden just shut down from technology like what is these numbers what do i do with them i feel like i've had a lobotomy but i haven't had a lobotomy Jesus Christ, that's fucking dramatic. <laughs> Mentally, I am gone. Gone. I am. Bye-bye. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about horror news from last week. I don't remember what we talked about. It's been a whole week. Yeah, honestly, I think we talked about the release date for Scream. Oh, um, yeah. Leaked pictures. I'm excited. We have Kirby. I... I'm very excited for it as well. But considering we can't remember the horror news, shall we talk first ever Spotify wrapped for horror? Homes? Oh, yeah, that was exciting. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We haven't even been going a year and we're in seven countries. I don't I don't know who's listening, but thanks. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a lot, but for us, that started this off a whim and we're like, if it gets big, it gets big. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We enjoy doing this. We really appreciate that we are 17 people's number one podcast. But also, I feel like horror a lot of the times is like men talking about it. I'm not saying that we're the first women to talk about horror, but we do have u- some unique perspectives since we aren't around the same media content and we're queer people. I, I feel like we have fun with horror. We aren't as, as buttoned up. We're kind of like loosey-goosey. Like, we love horror for the girls' yeah. days and days, so. Exactly. And as Evelyn, who is known as Gav Smulders, oh said in her playthrough <laughs> of The Devil Within, I can't even say it because it's just so accurate. As horror fans don't have high expectations. No. We're just happy with anything, basically. Yeah. So we we love it all. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening. But to tie in horror news with what we're gonna be reviewing up top, Jenna mm-hmm. Ortega 
as Wednesday. Mm-hmm. She's killing it this year. She's in Scream. Mm-hmm. Arguably, she was the best character. She's in 100%. X, which I'm glad that Church Mouse died because she was a little bit hypocritical. And now Wednesday. Like, she's been in a, some bangers this year. Yeah, and she was also in, I think, like a mini series called The Fallout as mm. well this year. Yeah, she's, she's killing it. And I really enjoyed her as Wednesday. Now, we've both finished this series. So, major spoilers if you are listening to this and you have not watched Wednesday, which came out the day before Thanksgiving over here. So... Yeah, which somebody asked me, when did Wednesday come out? And I was like, a couple weeks ago. On Wednesday. And they were like, wow, they really took that opportunity. Yeah, it came out on November 23rd. Hopefully, if you've watched it by now, it's because you actually wanted to watch it. So anything we say, um, you can't blame us for spoiling anything for you. Yeah, sorry about it. Although we both did kind of, I feel like we both had intuitions about what was going to happen and those were proven right. It is more. I mean, geared towards children, like teeny boppers, but oh, it's yeah. still super good. I don't mind watching young adult, I did air quotes there, you can see that, um, <laughs> young adult TV shows. Um, so like The Midnight Club, I really enjoyed. One of Us is Lying, I've really enjoyed. My Best Friend's Exorcism, like, you know, it's catered for young adults to get in to to certain genres Mm -hmm. and yes some of the dialogue is a bit cringe at times but certain characters i did really enjoy oh my god yeah now i really loved her portrayal of wednesday i thought that she was appropriately like cold but still had that like glint in some scenes um but I I don't know how I feel about the casting of Morticia and Gomez. Something about them just didn't click with and me. And Fester. Oh, yeah, and Fester. I'm not a Fred Armisen fan. I don't hate him, but I just don't find him funny. Yeah, I just, I don't know what it is. I think it's, I don't think anything could live up to the Fester we grew up with because that Fester was such a bumbling idiot but also not at the same time and this Fester felt like too intelligent in a way if that makes sense yeah I just didn't find him that funny or like lovable and like that's what you kind of get from Uncle Fester is like he's like you said kind of like this bumbling character but you love him. I just didn't feel that connection but I thought that Catherine Zeta-Jones was really boring as Morticia. There wasn't the unconditional love for her child there I don't think. Like you didn't yeah that's a good way to put it. I did think that Pugsley was cute though. Like I love their sibling bond in that. The, yeah. <laughs> the casting of Pugsley was really good. I did like the casting for Gomez. I just don't like what they did with the character because the actor who portrayed Gomez in Wednesday looked like the original drawings of the Adams family. Yeah. Because Gomez is supposed to be a short chubby man he's not supposed to be a short slender man he's supposed to be have a bit of a tummy he's supposed to be round and Matisha's supposed to be this tall elegant like glamazon lady in a way mm-hmm. but golf but overall what did you think about the storyline because i kind of dug it 
I I enjoyed it. I wish okay, I wish they kept out Wednesday's murderous intent throughout it. Because we had that really intense opening scene where she puts piranhas in a swimming pool and then that was the pretty much the last murderous attempt murder attempt she did throughout the whole episode whereas Wednesday is supposed to be a character that is you know willing to kill people for anything and we don't get that also I I think that maybe it was downplayed because Pugsley wasn't there and like normally that's that like their their sibling bond is her trying to kill him and maybe since you took him out of the equation it just didn't have that oomph that the writers thought would match because most of her time was mm. took up figuring out these two murder mysteries that they had going on, which I thought that was pretty interesting and a cool way to get the family back to Nevermore. Yeah, I I hope if it does get renewed for a second season, like I said to you, I hope they put Pugsley in Nevermore. And I told you I hope that they do like Adam's Family Values and do like a summer camp one. Which I think may be cute yeah. if they did a summer camp one and then Pugsley came to Nevermore in the third season because it's definitely getting renewed. I don't know if you've seen the internet is buzzing about the show. Even people who don't watch horror a lot have been watching Wednesday. It was like the number one show and like was up yeah. there with Stranger Things streams. So mm-hmm. people are really digging this. Yeah. What helps is the star power you had with General Tega and Gwendolyn Christie. And Christina Ritchie. Is... Yes, those ladies are so stunning, especially Gwendolyn Christie. Like, she is so gorgeous and such a great actress. I adore her so much yeah i was um spoiler alert pretty sad to see her character go here's the thing and in she was doing an interview and someone asked her like oh is the last is this the last we see of your character she said well you haven't seen her in a body bag Mm. so who knows yeah who knows whether whether we'll see her again maybe with her shape-shifting abilities she was able to like do some Mm. sneaky stuff because we definitely haven't explored everybody's characters like i didn't quite get what what scene was xavier in was he just like a troubled artist that has visions or did he have like a crew because i know that there was like the werewolves and the sirens but i didn't quite get that and and no I think um, when, oh, what's the roommate's name? Erin? Enid? Enid. When Enid is showing Wednesday around, she talks like she says that Xavier is a lone artist. So I don't think he's got a click. I think he's by himself, but he's also in the secret society, isn't he? Yeah, he is in the nightshades. I mean, Wednesday doesn't necessarily have any crazy shit going on with her. I mean, she does, but she's not part of one of those cliques. But Mm -hmm. I did have a question for you. Did you see Christina Ritchie's character and Tyler being the, like, villains of this season? Because I could smell that from a mile away. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, the way Tyler was so quickly enamored with Wednesday, it felt very weird. Okay, but I would be too if I was him. Yeah, but also, did we ever find out how old Wednesday was supposed to be and how old Tyler is in this season? Because I feel like she is a minor and he is not. No, he's definitely a teenager. 
I just don't think he goes to Nevermore. He has to be. He's a teenager. But I don't trust it. I don't trust Mr. Burton sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, unfortunately, I need clarification on people's ages. Yeah, I literally had this conversation with somebody recently about, I was like, I kind of feel guilty for watching this show because of what Tim Burton said. And he was like, well, what did he say? And I was like, that people of color don't match his aesthetic. But it's just mm. like, I guess it could be because of Netflix's manpower. This show did have people of color in part of the main ensemble. But still, it just, I'm kind of struggling with myself for watching it because it is Tim Burton. Yeah, I 100% know what you mean. I, on that topic, I really enjoyed Bianca. Oh, like, yeah. We saw uh, we saw an evolution of her character, yeah. I felt. And I want to find out more about this siren cult. Oh, me? Fucking too. I thought that that was really, really interesting. But I think the actress's name is Joy Sunday. She is beautiful. Mm-hmm. 100%. They chose really well for a siren because you get that. Yes. She's very alluring. Her eyes, I know uh, that those were contacts, yeah. but like, whoa. <laughs> But it was also the way she carried herself and the way she spoke. She had like poise. It was and confidence. Yeah. And and you even though yes, yeah, she was the most popular girl in school and her and Wednesday didn't get on at first. You really did feel for her because she has to wear a pendant that subdues her siren powers, but she still doesn't know whether or not people like her for her or if it's her siren powers. And I just, I feel for her so much. And it was so interesting because it gave a bit more complexity. I'm going with that word <laughs> to her character. Yeah. So I I want more of her. I like the character of Enid. Like I thought that she was super cute. Like I loved her so much. I I don't understand <laughs> why they put them in a room together. Maybe to bring Wednesday up a little bit, but I was just like this. Oh, this right here, this coupling. Oh no, no. Like I have seen some discourse online. Oh god. Because before Wednesday came out, people felt like Netflix were teasing that Enid and Wednesday were gonna be in a queer Oh they were queer baiting relationship. Okay. They're Yeah. They que- they basically queer baited their friendship online and when people watched it they were like, this isn't what was, you know, told to us through subtle tweets that netflix put out i can kind of see it but also i don't want wednesday to be in relationships i want her to have platonic friendships with males females um monsters like i don't ever see i see wednesday as asexual i don't know why i just see her as asexual or if they're gonna give us her having a relationship with anybody like in Adam's family values do it like Joel where it's just like some like nerd that's obsessed with her which I could kind of see it happening with Eugene to be honest but oh my I loved Eugene so much I'm so glad they not kill him yeah I hope that her and Xavier don't get together I hope they have a platonic friendship same that's it but yeah I did see (laughs) I saw it (laughs) So someone stitched a TikTok 
And the original TikToker was like, how do Enid have, well, how does Enid have her nails painted? Because when her nails grow longer, so does the paint on her mm-hmm. nails. And <laughs> someone stitched it and was like, it's not fucking real dude why are you taking it so seriously literally though when you said that i was like it's a tv show (laughs) it's not real wells aren't real i swear on people just want to find something to bitch at in a movie it's very obnoxious especially when you're on the internet it's just like can we just let people enjoy this like stop harshing the vibe like sirens aren't real werewolves aren't real um gorgons aren't real uh hides aren't real like it's a fantasy show i was gonna say out of everything to be mad about you're mad about some nail polish you should be mad about the look of the hide oh my god that was horrible though but it was very tim burton it was goofy as fuck it wasn't the drawings were more terrifying than the actual hide animation itself yeah that was kind of like okay but i forgave it because it was tim burton like he's gonna have some like kooky looking character i mean i can't blame them too hard on that but that was i can I can. I could forgive it if it was practical, but because it was uh, digital effects, CGI, I can't forgive that because that was the most goofy motherfucking looking man I have ever seen. It was the eyes. It was the eyes. It was so weird, especially the transformation when the eyes just got bit. It was goofy as fuck. <laughs> it was goofy as fuck, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I hope we get another season. We will see what Netflix does because they still have not confirmed. Um, And I think I said to you the other day, like Netflix are taking a bit longer now to renew things. They don't renew it like literally a couple of days after it's come out. They are waiting months. But this show is so popular. They would be so stupid if they didn't. But Sandman was so popular as well. And it took them literally two, three months to say that it was renewed for a second season. Hmm. So Mm. we're just going to have to wait and see to see what they do. Um, But I I recommend watching it. Um, Don't expect it to be the most amazing thing in the whole entire world. It is goofy. Mm -hmm. But um, we love that. It's goofy in the best way possible. Exactly. And speaking of goofy... (laughs) Yes. Shall we talk about our topic for today that we've already gone through and I really hope we can <laughs> remember yeah. everything we spoke about last time? Uh, we will. We will. It'll, it'll come to us. Yeah, because today we're talking about a mythical creature that they turned into a movie that was actually pretty dope. And that is, is it Krampus? Krampus? However you say Krampus. it. Yeah, Krampus. Krampus. Yeah, you sound so official when you say it. Krampus. Krampus. <laughs> I think you're like supposed to roll. Someone is at the front door. It's Krampus. He's come to take you away. Well, I have a question for you. Since clearly Krampus ah. is at your door, have you been naughty? <laughs> Giggles. I have been very well behaved this year. Thank you very much. Okay, so the scary um, ancient being won't have to like switch you or hit you with a switch and carry you off to the depths of hell 
I mean, if he does, he does. I ain't gonna fight him. I'll be like, ah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, dude. <laughs> it's alright. I'll go. So, Krampus is said to join St. Nicholas um, on December 5th, which is the Feast of St. Nick. And basically, he just kind of goes throughout the town with St. Nick and... Obviously, St. Nick brings good children gifts. Krampus, I guess it depends on your level of naughtiness, will deliver you coal, or he might hit you with, like, a switch of birch, or he might just say, fuck it, and throw you in his sack and take you to hell. Wait, throw you in his sack? Yeah. That kind of sounds wrong, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some places like in the um 2015 film compass he's referred to as saint nicholas's um shadow and obviously saint nick gives you goodies compass punishes you so it's like a yin and yang sort of thing and saint nicholas is supposed to be like a really jolly looking guy like very friendly looking whereas compass is a horned anthropomorphic figure yeah um which comes from central and eastern alpine folklore and you know like you said during the christmas season um originally he goes around with saint nicholas and scares children who have misbehaved so i would be scared if i saw him he's like this huge like hunchback creature with these big horns and Personally, I think it's scarier when they have the multiple set of horns. Like, different regions kind of have their own interpretation of what it's supposed to look like. But if you see those horns in this furry creature, it looks very, like, satanic is what, you know, modern Christianity would lead you to believe. But, yeah, I mean, no matter what region of the world you're in, if you saw that... I would be scared. Um, he's absolutely fucking terrifying. In every single depiction of him, he is absolutely terrifying looking. You know, they have festivals. Um, so in Austria and Germany called um, Krampusruf or Krampus Runs. And basically people dress up as Krampus and have a massive festival slash parade and the people that dress up walk down the street and will literally hit people with bushes and branches and be like, ha, ha, ha. And it's a way to keep the tradition of their culture alive because when Christianity became such a big thing, thing in the 18th century basically they they banned anyone from celebrating Krampus uh, because they were like it's too satanic you need you know we don't like this listen to us Christians we're important we run the world so people stopped celebrating it but um, the Austrian postcard business grew after the government released its hold on the industry I have seen the pictures of these. Yes, so between 1980 to the beginning of World War One, Germany started selling Krampus cards with texts such as Brostein, which means be good, or um, Gross vom Krampus, which is greetings from Krampus. Um, the images on the card show uh, children crying and being kidnapped by Krampus, but... <laughs> of course has to go one step further 
There was also cards made with a sexier female version of Krampus oh. for adult men. Oh. And there were also female versions of the card where women were basically getting cozy with Krampus. Oh my god. I I knew that <laughs> Krampus was kinky when he was hitting people with switches, but like, oh, it took it to that extra extra layer. I want to see now a sexy Krampus cosplayer furry at a convention i just want to see it uh me too if anyone's got like any pictures that they can send us please do uh we'll oh my give god you our socials at the end <laughs> <laughs> yes um that's honestly really interesting north america notoriously like hasn't really been into all of that like you know the u.s but canada it's more of a european thing but it it's slowly been yeah. trickling this way in the recent years there are like little celebrations that have been popping up there's even like a celebration here in my town it's really interesting i've seen some of like the the people like dressing up as them and they're scary i Honestly, though, anybody that creates their own costuming, amazing. But I've seen, like, Krampuses walking around conventions, like, over here. So the lure is is slowly getting there. But I I think that this film could probably be a lot of people's first introduction to this lore because it's a really strong movie. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like why people are adapting Krampus into their culture is because when growing up they just used to tell you that Santa will either bring you presents or or Santa will put coal in your stocking and they've completely cut out the middleman of Krampus that's not gonna make kids behave so let's (laughs) let's make Krampus great again oh my god Jesus (laughs) Christ I think that if my parents were like, hey, and my dad is from Germany, if they started me young by saying like, oh, you know, you better be good because Krampus is going to come get you, I would have been the most well-behaved child because he is so scary. And I don't know. I love this lore. I love Christmas. I love the holidays. But I just love that we're going to get a spooky king entering the Christmas realm. Yeah. And the 2015 film, I feel like, depicts the Krampus lore and the effect of Krampus in your life very, very well. It really does. I'm ready to get into this movie because this movie, like you said, is very well done. Just from the opening scene, both of us have been in retail, so we know, like, this scene gets it right. Like, the feeling of just being like, holy fuck, it's Christmas, and I want to just KMS because all these people are driving you up the wall. Yeah, I want to self-delete, basically. Like, (laughs) when you pan over the cashier's face, and you see the pure like oh, fuck. fuck on their face. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've been there. Not any there anymore, but I'm still traumatized to this day. Yeah, like literally though, obviously this is an American depiction of 
you know, the holiday shopping season, it does it get crazy like that over there? I'm sure it does. It doesn't get like that, like people are fighting, but people were just so fucking rude. Yeah. It is why I do my Christmas shopping online, basically. I will probably go to like proper shops twice before Christmas, like literally within December, because I hate being around people that much around christmas time because it's so busy people are just pushing shoving walking into you giving you the dirtiest looks ever and just here overhearing people being rude to cashiers as well i can't stand it so i just do everything online (laughs) yeah this this movie gets the public aspect so well i think it might be one of my favorite scenes but nothing particularly scary happens in this it just is kind of like showing you a mirror of like yeah you're fucking scary aren't you like the general public is scary but then it turns and says you want to know what's scarier being with your annoying family member i'm sure we all have that one family member that we absolutely i twitch whenever you find out that they're coming over to a family gathering and that is what this movie essentially opens with and it's so good so when her sister appears with her redneck fucking husband yeah her name is sarah um sarah and sarah now you you have got to be crazy to think that Adam Scott and Tony Collette would end up together to begin with. I think I've said this before. Oh, yeah. She would eat him up. But, you know, there are some real-life relationships that are exactly like that. The woman dominates the man, and we absolutely love to see it. (laughs) Well, basically, she's a homemaker, and he's this very, very stereotypical, like, business, 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 fuck my family, I don't care if it's Christmas. And he, I mean, to a point, I understand where he's coming from, because then you do get her sister and her redneck husband coming over, and that just adds a complete next level layer because they have all these annoying kids that come in your daughter all she cares about is her boyfriend and honestly the only two real og people in this movie are gonna be omi and max 100 percent. like it is so nice to see the relationship between a grandmother and her grandson and i do enjoy that um omi talks german pretty much the whole film I enjoy I enjoy all of the character relationships in this movie because you see them unravel in this. Oh, yes, especially when um, Sarah's sister is like, oh, by the way, I invited our aunt. And she's like, that old bitch? What the fuck? What the fuck? She brought along her, her aunt and their dog. And I'm like, okay, I'm a dog person and that may be stepping a little bit over bounds. But this movie, one thing that I love about this movie is the pacing of it. Because you get mm-hmm. this opening, it's pretty quick. Like they they show you, introduce you this slew of characters, but they start going real quick. The dinner scene, I felt so bad for Max. When his letter to Santa was read out at that table by his annoying fucking cousin. That's what I'm saying. And the sister isn't doing anything to help the situation. She's like, no, Max, calm down. Don't do anything. Don't react. Bitch, you're the older fucking sibling. Why are you not standing up for your 
like brother come on i think it was really smart of them to kill her off first like put her in that opening scene because you already have such a disdain for this character that she really truly doesn't even want to be there and she doesn't help she doesn't help her family i feel like he was so good at, at showing us the scary part of the holidays as in your family But also he knew what characters were going to have sympathy or what characters um, people were going to latch on to. And he killed off the annoying ones first, I feel like. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Like the annoying ones and the, the dull ones. Yeah. For sure. Big ups to Michael Dotry who who did this film. He wrote it and um, directed it. He wrote it with a couple other people, I think. But this is the same guy that gave us Trick or Treat. So he knows how to do these holiday movies and do them right. So hard eye emoji. It's not. It's not. It's not even like the holiday films. It's folklore films. Yeah. He really looks into the folklore behind certain holidays and certain like traditions and he really shows the details in his films and you can feel the love he puts in to what he puts out yeah definitely and from the from the opening kill scene with beth which happens off screen she goes to her boyfriend's house or tries to and you you hear this jingling and she's like what what is that it's snowing like nobody else is around where am i hearing this from and that's when you see him you don't really see krampus until later in the movie but just his silhouette on that rooftop is so scary like he did it right a hundred percent like he didn't show us full krampus too quickly like even though the pacing in this film's really good he savored yeah he did the actual full reveal of Krampus, which I appreciate so much because I don't want my horror villain, my murderer, whatever monster, to be shown too quickly into a film. I want the suspense to be built. I want shadows. I want silhouettes. I want sounds. I want people dead off screen and then on screen. Which they did. They I love had this. they had her under the car, and she knows that something's out there, and. Krampus is walking around the car, doesn't see her, but drops that jack-in-the-box. And you know that something's gonna happen, but they don't give it to you yet. They kind of cut to the family, and the family's like, it's been a while, like, where is she? So they send out Adam Scott's character with this redneck uncle character, Howard, and they try and go find her in this snowstorm and realize that nobody's at her boyfriend's house it's completely empty but before that they came across Mm. abandoned cars yes they did they did so they know that something's up and they even make a comment on how the impact of the glass yes is inwards and not outwards yeah he was very meticulous like making sure that this was all set up nobody's at the boyfriend's house and they can't find beth and then Again, he get he he doesn't give you a reveal in this weird snow creature, but something gets Howard, and they basically say fuck Beth, uh, literally. And you know what? I would do the same. I do not care. You made your choice to go out there by yourself. Therefore, if you die, you die. I do not care. You're long gone. I'm not gonna. I- 
like, I'm not going to risk my life for you if you, I potentially think you're already dead. I mean, I get it from a parent perspective. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I get it from a parent perspective of wanting to save your daughter, but you can't save your daughter if you don't save yourself. Exactly. So they why I'd probably be an awful parent. <laughs> so they, they know that something's up, and then the... The movie really unravels quickly from here because they're all sleeping in the living room and they, they're keeping the fire hot, or Omi is, and Howard fucking falls asleep. Oh, fucking Howard. Fucking Howard. This is where we get the gingerbread men coming down the chimney. We get our first proper glimpse of, like, one of Krumpus's minions, basically. And it looks like the sweetest little gingerbread man in the whole entire world. Howard's son is awoken by the sound and approaches. And you could probably say, like, in comparison, Howard's son is basically Augustus Gloop from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Very much. Howie Jr. is very much Augustus Gloop. Like, all he cares about is eating that gingerbread man. And when he does, the noise that it emits. The sound. Yeah. It is so good. It is like the realization. It just, like, its eyes just look up at its head going, oh, oh. And then it's like, you. And wraps the chain around him. And he gets whisked up. And Sarah grabs his feet, tries to pull him down. And then she gets traumatized by seeing the gingerbread man. It's basically like, think the gingerbread man from Shrek, but scary. <laughs> Those gingerbread men were like one of the only things that were actually CG in this film. Michael Dotry really wanted most of the effects to be practical, but the claymation scene that Omi tells to explain what's happening to this family, because she knows, and she's been holding on to this knowledge, that there is a being Krampus that is after them because she's been through it before and we get an Omi backstory we do get an Omi backstory and I am still a little bit salty that she didn't make this reveal sooner because she should have known when the power went out I feel like is when she she knew but I guess she didn't want to scare Mm. them no because it's it's Sort of like you don't want to pass down generation trauma sort of thing. True. That makes sense. She, I think, goes to America to give herself a better life and starts a family to get away from the terrible things she did. So she probably feels so much immense guilt of what happened. Why would you admit that to anyone? Like, I basically got my parents killed when I was little. Because she she lost the spirit of Christmas, just like Max did. We saw him ripping up his letter after his cousins made fun of him. And she understands that Max, unfortunately, has brought this upon the family just as she did when she was younger. So we get that really cool scene. And I, I do appreciate that they chose to do like kind of like a claymation with it. I thought that that was fun. But what was even more fun was the next scene that we get where the twins go to go to the bathroom and they get got they get got by the most terrifying thing in the whole entire world a fucking centipede caterpillar fucking jack-in-the-box oh my god it was truly so freaky those were puppets and they did not get the reveal of these creatures until this clown jack-in-the-box and this demonic angel come down and wasn't there like a little bear or something 
with the sharp little teeth. A teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah, there's a teddy bear. Those things were so twisted. They literally were, but I think the worst for me was the Jack in the Box because the way the mouth opened. He like unhinged his jaw. I hated it. Hated it so fucking much. I like when we get and see the genuine reactions from the the cast members because this was their first time seeing it. It was darkly lit and the looks on their face. I rewatched this with Val to talk about this episode and I kept saying, I'm like, I think that there's like a really fucked up attic scene in this movie. I think that there's a messed up attic scene in this movie. And then they walk up the attic and it hit me and I'm like, oh, fuck. That's from this movie because I, I remember that that Jack in the Box. It's really traumatic. Yeah. And all the while, Howard's downstairs getting absolutely pwned by these gingerbread men. I would be so fucking pissed off if gingerbread men beat my ass to a pulp. He does shoot them with a shotgun. Um, <laughs> one of them like is on fire and dies. The other two are on fire but still alive. And he manages to get another one, but there is one still alive, and it jumps up, and it's got a sharpened candy cane, and he's prepared to get stabbed to fucking death by this small gingerbread man with a sharpened candy cane, and the dog eats him. (laughs) That's why I'm a dog person. (laughs) I would have got stabbed by that gingerbread man for my cats, but you know what? I'm okay with that. It was my time to go, it was my time to go. They think that they have overpowered these things, but they don't. They actually, like, come back for, like, you know, that jump scare. But the thing that's the scariest, I think, in this entire movie are the elves. Yes. So after the attic scene and the kitchen scene, they regroup in um, the living room. And they're basically like, well, we need to leave the house. We need to leave. All of a sudden, Omi's like, they're like, here's something. And Omi's like, elves. And it's like, all of a sudden, window gets crashed. Um, The aunt gets like a chain wrapped around her. The elves come in and like have the family against the wall. And one of my favorite parts of this film is the aunt saying, well, see you in hell. And she gets <laughs> dragged away. Her character was really funny, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I, Omi did not prepare me for how fucked up those elves were. Those masks were super creepy. And like we said, and just kind of like trick or treat, it, it felt like this ancient sort of evil, like this older, darker mm. thing that we aren't necessarily always going to be accustomed to in this day and age. They just felt very sinister. And Omi knew that she she had to try and face this. Yeah, because probably she had an inkling that Compass was on his way to the house after the elves visited. So the family prepared to leave the house and Omi basically is the last one out the door. I'm doing air quote. And she basically is like a Gandalf in this scene, like, fly, you fools, and shuts the door and uh, prepares for Krampus to come down the um, the chimney. And this is when we get our first proper look at Krampus. And it is terrifying. The way his mouth is open. 
mm. at all times, and it's di- a distorted face. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. So so scary. Now I will say this scene does kind of upset me because I would have really liked to see Omi open up a can of whoop ass on Krampus during this scene. I don't even care if like she ended up dying trying to fight this. I mean, obviously she does. But I just would have loved to see like a balls to the wall, like malignant style, just Mm. absolute attempt at a sleigh. But I'll forgive Omi for this scene. But yeah, he was terrifying. And we, again, don't even get her full death in this scene. Like it's done off screen. When we get Krampus down the chimney and he approaches Omi he kind of like sniffs her like an animal mm. and they I feel like there's a moment in there where he recognizes her scent Ooh. and is probably like we've met before and then she obviously presents the bell she was probably like look I've survived this once I'm probably not going to survive this again let me try and distract Krampus while my family ch- gets to safety. She, she, uh, yeah, she, we, do we know how she died? No, I don't think that they really truly tell you how Omi dies. I think that they just kind of do a cutscene to them getting their asses kicked out by the winter weather. Now those snowmen too, those things were terrifying. Mm. I decorated for Christmas and my family collects snowmen. And I was like, I don't know if we need to get the whole lot of them out this season because I had just watched Krampus and I was like, I don't know if I can look at a snowman the same way. Oh no, 100%. Like those snowmen are... The the way their faces like distort. Oh yeah, and a menacing is just a no from me. Thank you. Thankfully, snowmen are not big in my household. It is nutcrackers, <laughs> so I'm Aww. good. Yeah, there's just like no reprieve in this movie, which is kind of similar to Trick or Treat. Like he mm-hmm. opened with a really strong, scary kill scene. Has this kind of like underlying darker theme to the movie like an old like you said kind of ritualistic feel to it but then he also gives you an ending that is not really satisfying like from from this point on when omi dies shit starts picking up really really quickly and it never gets better (laughs) oh no they get picked off one by one so quickly i think it was howard Mm-hmm. Then it was um, Adam Scott's character, Dealer right? Bob. Adam Scott's character. Then it was Sarah's sister. Mm-hmm. And then it was Sarah herself. And then it was the cousin. And then Krampus approaches Max and gives Max his very own dingling well i will say i did really really appreciate number one how quickly this happened because they that's one thing about this movie it has a lot of characters to keep track of but i thought that they killed them off at an appropriate pace throughout the movie and it kind of gives you this like firecracker ending when they start going so quickly but they leave max and i think it's jordan is one no jordan jordan got eaten Okay, well, it was him, it was Max and his cousin that he was feuding with. I enjoy that they put, they saved them for last. The two family members that truly caused all of this, it's a domino effect. Her bullying Max caused him to lose hope for the Christmas season, but they had to rely on each other 
at the end in that snowplow. She gets gobbled up. And like you said, you get, get Krampus giving him this bell. And he realizes, like, what happened with Omi? He left her to... T- to tell the tale. I don't want that to be me. All I truly want is my family back. And he goes to face off against Krampus. Yes. I, oh my God. The stat scene is a really good, like, final act sort of thing. He approaches Krampus as they have his last remaining cousin over the fire pit to hell. And Max is like, you can take this back and throws the bell at him and he's like trying to like really (laughs) i don't know what the word is but like find krampus's heart in this situation and he's like take me but leave my family yeah and krampus is (laughs) literally like a nabbit i'm taking your family and you now yeah like i said you get no reprieve in this movie he tries to get a little bit of heart and sympathy from him but he like you said it's just like no bitch like you did this to yourself which is very much a sam type of thing like you know you play stupid games you win stupid prizes sort of feeling actually if you if you don't follow the rules of halloween or christmas there's gonna be consequences. Yes, and then it's like he falls into this pit, and it's oh, it's just a bad dream. And I'm I was watching this with Val, and I took off my glasses when when Max wakes up and is like, oh, like I'm in my bedroom. It was just a bad dream. I took off my glasses and I was like, are these smudged? Because I feel like the screen right now is very blurry. No, as soon as I saw the haze around the screen, I was like, this is not real life here this is he is now in some sort of dream some sort of alternate state but this is not the same world that he was just in no it wasn't because he went downstairs and the family is like having this perfect christmas and they're like we've been waiting for you silly how is this the family that we just saw absolutely lose their shit at the dinner table last night like this is not the same family and you're just kind of sitting there like oh i mean this is really cute at least we have a happy ending and then max opens his gift and it's the bell. Motherfucking Krampus bell. And then you see each character and you can hear like their death tracks over their faces of just pure, oh shit. That really happened. Yeah, like, and it's kind of like, it goes from what, like, what the fuck to kind of confused, like, where are we then? If this isn't the house, like, which is also scary that they remember their deaths. You know what I'm saying? It must, it must be confusing being like, okay, I've died, but where am I now? What is this place? What is it going on? It looks like my home. It feels like it's Christmas. I've got my family here. Are we all, you know, hallucinating something or what's like, what the fuck? And then it pulls out oh. of the house of the street and we see that they are in a snow globe and it pulls out further and we see a few more and then more and then loads more snow globes 
in Crumpus's like workshop sort of thing. I saw this movie in theaters and then I rewatched it to do this episode. And I remember that I didn't really like the the finale, like the snow globe, because I I guess I didn't get the ending that I wanted. You know what I'm saying? But a second time around, I like I don't think that I mind it. I was rewatching it, you know, obviously with the knowledge, that, and I think that there could be just a little bit of of a hint. Like, have they been in the snow globe the whole time? Because you see when she's walking to her boyfriend's house, Beth, in like the opening mm. kill scene, that all the lights are out, nobody's home. This postman that has dropped off this package is nowhere to be seen, but there's like a flick of glitter that hits her leg. It's like a purple, like wrapping paper almost looking thing. So I'm like trying, I want to kind of rewatch it for a third time and think of it as the perspective of what if they've been in there this whole time? From the, the moment he rips up the paper and throws it out the window. Yep. Sort of thing. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy the ending like it makes sense apart from the motherfucking unnecessary what the fuck was that jump scare right at the end with all the toys going like <laughs> like going yeah, crazy I don't I, I don't I I just don't think it was needed at all like we could have just pulled out to the snow globes and be like what the fuck and then it cut to black so then it would make people linger on how did these other people get into their snow globe? What would they put through from Krampus? How many actually are there? That sort of thing, like questioning that sort of thing instead of like going, what the fuck? And then trying to do a cheap trick jump scare at the end Yeah, was not needed. No, I totally agree with that. I didn't really even think about that until you said that. I, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. I guess that's cute, but yeah, looking back at it, I'm I don't really dig that part. But it did leave me with one question. So, mm. why was it that Omi didn't get put into a snow globe? Is it because she just accepted the fact that this was going to be her life and she was now an orphan and she just had to witness something really horrible? Were they put into a snow globe because Max regretted it and Max died as well? I think because Omi accepted the fate that Krampus gave her and was left as a cautionary tale for those to come after her. Whereas Max did not accept the fate that Krampus gave him and his family. He was like, no, I'm going to try and be a big boy here and own my shit. And hopefully Krampus will find it in his heart. What heart? There is no heart in Krampus. uh, To spare his family and take him. And I think because he did not accept the punishment or gift that I'm doing air quotes uh, again, um, the gift that Krampus gave him, that he was like, if you're not going to accept this, you will suffer the same punishment as the rest of your family. You could say that the reason that they were in this was because it was kind of like a scary home alone where, you know, Kevin wishes that he didn't have a family. Max yeah. kind of thought about that. And then he's Krampus gave him that. He said, okay, you don't want that. And then you turn around and tell him, no, I do want that. And he's like, all right, we'll have it forever, I guess. It's like Omi. She had a Christmas spirit when she was growing up. And then her family made her lose her Christmas spirit. So Krampus took away the thing that made her lose her Christmas spirit, gave her the bell, and was like, 
I've taken away the thing that made you lose your hope in Christmas. You have no excuse now not to have it, sort of thing. And then when Max had the same thing happen, Omi, again, lost her hope in Christmas, but I think because she was an adult at this point, that Krampus could not spare her because from the sounds of it, he only spares children. Mm. yeah really never like, the adults so basically it's cautionary tale like don't let your christmas spirit die which i would have been fucked years ago to be honest <laughs> well it's it's very similar to like i've been drawing comparisons to trick or treat it's like you can't lose this sense of wonder or magic mm. around a holiday or which does happen as you're an adult as you said you've lost it years ago if you lose that sense of wonder then what do you have you know what i'm saying like so sam and krampus are one and the same yeah at least i've still got my halloween spirit and that's what truly matters so sam is keeping mm. krampus at bay is what i would like to think Mm, but who would win in a fight though krampus or sam i mean theoretically krampus could just like step on sam and it'd be over but for some reason sam's a tricky little fucker that's exactly what i was saying i'm like but for some (laughs) reason i feel like it would be sam (laughs) especially with that lollipop Mm. He, he does some serious damage with that lollipop he could but... be like crawling on the ceiling drop down put his little his little um i almost called it a necklace shanking him yeah he could like shank him in shanking the eye him with the lollipop <laughs> that's what i would like to picture in my head is happening yes but you know i think we'll leave at that's an open question if people you know have different answers um who do you think would Winning a fight, Sam for trick or treat, or Krampus. From Wait, that Krampus. is. I I need Michael Dotri to weigh in on this because I feel like he would give a really good response. Mm, I would love that. I would love to know his thoughts on who would win. But yeah, so you can tell us on Instagram at yeah. Horror Huns Podcast or on Twitter at yeah. Horror Huns Pod. You know, I run the socials. Meg will see responses and stuff like that. So we will both answer anything you have, whatever you, whoever you think will win in a fight. Um, if you've got any suggestions for episodes in, you know, twenty twenty three. But yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us what you want to see in twenty twenty three because we have no fucking idea. We're getting closer yeah we're getting closer to 2023 and it's like what the fuck this is the last month of the year and i feel like we have a pretty good lineup coming up um this is our first kind of holiday themed episode so i thought it was a good one because i am scared of compass now thanks (laughs) thanks i hate it (laughs) thanks i hate it well v do you have any final thoughts for today's episode if you listen to our podcast and you have children, please introduce Krampus into their life. Please. And I probably guarantee your life would be a hell of a lot easier. Please traumatize your children for V. Thanks. Thanks.